0: Welcome back to another episode of Tooling Talks. I'm your host, Chris, and this month, I was able to have an episode fully focused on something I've been wanting to cover for a while, the beginner experience in Scala tooling. I'm incredibly grateful that Amina Adewusi was willing to take some time and dive into this topic with me. You may know Amina from the conference she created, Scala Base, which is a conference focused on newcomers to Scala, or maybe her course, Learning Scala on LinkedIn, which is a short course focused on giving newcomers to Scala a great introduction. She has a ton of insight about the beginner experience, getting started contributing to open source, and diversifying the ecosystem. It was a pleasure to have her. So without further ado, let's dive in. Thanks for joining. We are back with another episode, and I'm so excited to have with me Amina. Uh, Amina, thank you so much for taking the time and joining me today. Uh, as I was mentioning before we even started this talk, uh, I'm super excited that you're willing to join me today with this because I know you've done a lot of work on helping the newcomer get started with Scala. And that is one of the passions of the podcast, I would say, as well as trying to help people get started in tooling and just feel more welcome uh, in this environment. So first of all, just thank you so much for taking the time and speaking with me. Uh, but would you be willing to give a little introduction? of yourself, who you are, how you got started, and yeah, where you're at today?
1: Sure. Thank you so much, Chris. It's such a joy to be on your podcast. I've listened to it for a while now, and I was really over the moon when you invited me and really (laughs) shocked. So thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. It's a
0: pleasure to have you.
1: Thanks. So yeah, my name is Amina, and I've been a software engineer for two and a half years. Um, I am a career changer. So prior to becoming an engineer, um, I worked in development finance across sub-Saharan Africa. And I decided to become a software engineer because I had a baby and wanted to kind of work from home and yeah, be more at home for him. Mm-hmm. So I I taught myself um, how to code um, and then I got my first job um, at The Guardian a newspaper in London. And that's where I learned Scala.
0: Okay. And I think you mentioned earlier too, or like before we even started the podcast, that when you first started to learn programming, it was Ruby that you taught yourself first, correct?
1: That's right. And I okay. taught myself Ruby because... I, I couldn't join a boot camp because I was like looking after my little baby at the time mm-hmm. uh, and they didn't really have many good quality online ones so but I looked at the boot camps and I saw that they were teaching their students Ruby so I thought I thought maybe I could just start with that but I mean if I could go back I would probably choose Python having said that the okay. Ruby <laughs> the Ruby community was really good to me like I I Like, even before I could code, I was contributing to open source projects. So I was just contributing, like, grammar changes and, Ah, like, spelling changes and stuff. And um, so... Just as valuable. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) And then through the Ruby community, like, I contributed to Ruby for good. Have you heard of it?
0: I haven't, no. But I'm also not very familiar with, like, the Ruby ecosystem at all. So...
1: It's it's totally cool. I really hope we can get Scala to a place that is more like the Ruby community, which is just okay. awesome in so many ways. But like Ruby for good, they just have a bunch of open source projects that are like charitable. Okay. Um, so I did, I did a bunch of work for them. And I found an amazing mentor who was in the US who used to spend three hours a week with me, like, helping me with like open source stuff and coding. Oh, wow. okay. Yeah, so I I've been really lucky on my journey and that I am self taught, but I managed to have the most amazing teachers help me along the way.
0: Nice. I can completely resonate with that also being like a career switcher self-taught person that like really valued the mentors that were in my life as well um yeah so you were programmed for i think like you said about two years and then you made the switch to the guardian correct and that was when you were introduced to Scala was tell me a little bit about that transition because were you looking for a specific type of job in a different language ecosystem because I, I sort of feel like a lot of newcomers when they get like started in a language that's where they feel most comfortable with so they want to stay with it and learn more with it and get yeah i don't know it's, it's almost like e- easier to progress in a in an ecosystem that you're familiar with so like why the why the change like why did you was it intentional or was it just a great job like yeah explain the change
1: yeah. So actually, what happened with me is like I taught myself Ruby, and then my first job was at the Guardian, and, I, and I've spent the last two and a half oh, okay. years there at the, the Guardian, you. and um, and so I really didn't want to write Scala. Um, I st- <laughs> I <laughs> great. great beginning. <laughs> I started at The Guardian on this on this special programme which was for people who had unconventional paths into tech. Ah, okay. And yeah, they it was so wonderful. They would basically rotate us around teams. So I spent my first six months at The Guardian as an Android engineer. Ah, wow. Okay. I know, so awesome. And then I went to Scala and honestly, like I I started writing Scala and I just tried to run away from it. Like I just tried to ignore it. I was like procrastinating. Like it was only until like some one of the engineers on my team said, Yeah, like I think you need to put a bit more time into this that I I really thought, Okay, like I can't ignore this anymore But Mm -hmm. otherwise I was just trying to run away. Like I really didn't wanna write Scala.
0: Okay, that is such a great segue into <laughs> so many questions that I have for you. Yes, yeah, because that was so, yeah. It's- So kind of like break this down a little bit. Here's my here's my plan for the day. Normally, I don't have this specific of a plan. But when I was thinking about chatting with you, I was like, I have two specific things I want to talk about. I want to talk about newcomers using tooling and talking Mm -hmm. about like what it was like for you as a newcomer getting started Mm -hmm. with tooling. Uh, What do you think now after you're a couple years into it? And then I also want to talk a little bit about uh, a newcomer contributing to tooling because I know you Mm -hmm. also contribute to things like SBT and stuff. But Mm -hmm. let's go to the first one and we'll start with newcomers using tooling. So When you first got started with Scala, what was your opinion of the tooling?
1: I think that's a really interesting question, Chris. And I honestly think that we have to remember what it's like being a newcomer. Like, I I don't know if if you remember, but like, you know, you're working on a team. You're you're just trying to survive the day, like trying Mm -hmm. to understand the code that you're reading, trying to write something. And just trying to get your head around all the different concepts that are being thrown at you. So honestly, Chris, like Hmm. honestly, tooling was the last thing that I was thinking about when I was trying to learn Scala. The the tooling that I chose was literally just the tooling that I was given because tooling was just really at the back of my mind. I was just trying to be as productive as I could, as quickly as I could. So like Mm -hmm. for me at The Guardian, we were using IntelliJ and SBT. And that was that was pretty much like my tooling world. And okay. honestly, I, I don't work at the Guardian anymore. But honestly, like, <laughs> not that much has changed for me. Okay. Like <laughs> I'm pretty much still using like very basic tooling.
0: Well, so that's a like an interesting point about that is that it, sometimes they say like, well, tooling that you don't really know is there that you don't have to like think about that much is actually good tooling. Would you say that it was sort of that experience that it just did its job and you didn't really have to think about it or it was abrasive when you had to use it? Like, were you in one of those two camps? I
1: would definitely agree Chris like I so much agree with that statement and actually that's one of the reasons I love SVT I know we'll talk about Mm. SVT later but I I love the fact that you can have these tools which you only see like the tip of the iceberg and that's all you need to see like Mm. honestly with SVT I basically use like compile and test and like basically like and and maybe like run and like that's it and i just Hmm. i love the fact that you have these super powerful tools but as a user you only need to know the basics and you can do your job just fine i to me that is the kind of litmus test of a great tool
0: that's i think that's such a refreshing viewpoint even for myself to hear somebody say that because i feel like i'm so often hearing the opinions of people that are like they work day and night in tooling so like (laughs) if if their tool can't do this one specific thing they're sort of like "Oh, this tool sucks like it's so whatever and and that's true but we also forget that there's probably like literally a million other scala developers out there doing their job on a daily basis that maybe hardly ever interact with their tool well they do interact with it but they do so in a very minimal way and as long as those very minimal ways don't cause friction then they don't really care that much and yeah i feel like we we forget that we forget that sometimes for sure um since then have you said that you've kind of stayed the same right so are you still an IntelliJ user and SPT user like are those still your two tools of choice that you would that you would say
1: that's right and it's interesting that you use the word like or the phrase tools of choice okay right because i think i kind of wonder for new developers like me i wonder like when does the time come where they say hey do you know what i'm going to branch out like i'm going to do something different mm. I'm gonna try a different tool that maybe my colleagues aren't using like I would definitely say that I've been surrounded by like IntelliJ users generally um, and, and SBT users um, and have no haven't had any need to switch I mean like I I really like Vim and I kind of have daydreams of myself like being like you know a high powered like vim user but then i haven't tried emacs so i have no idea like i'm not part oh, you could of just that. skip emacs just <laughs> i knew you were the... gonna have an opinion I, i'm
0: smiling so big right now for everybody to see once you said that you're like vim so i'm like yes
1: <laughs> so yeah like that's like my daydream right but mm-hmm. i yeah i just don't see myself doing that like right now in my career i've just switched jobs and i work for a company called permeative now and okay. like i've i've come to this company because I want to learn cats and cats effect and FS2 and HTTP4S and all these libraries. So like, again, tooling is just like the last thing I'm thinking about. I'm, I'm just trying to find documentation that I can understand. So um, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at right now.
0: Interesting. So I'm going to like skip ahead of and and ask you a different question because Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned like, yeah, there's so many good things you mentioned. Uh, Actually, before I even skip ahead, you mentioned that, you know, the tool of choice was an interesting phrase. And yeah, and now that I think about it too, my, my first uh, job that I was doing Scala in, the team I used or the team I was a part of used Maven for their for mm. their builds. And I would mm. never choose to use Maven for Scala now. Like I would just mm. not, I would want to stay away from that. But at the same time, when I first got started, it wasn't even on my mind to be like, oh, I wish we were using SBT or I wish we were using Mill. Like I didn't care. I just wanted to be able to write, code correctly and be able to, at the end of the day, show my teammates like, I did my task, like my ticket's done and, and have, yeah, <laughs> feel good about what I did. So totally relate to that. Um, you also mentioned that, like, for example, now you're in a new job at primitive and you wanted to learn cats. And I, I'm curious then, because I've seen that you, and this maybe skips ahead a little bit into contributing to tooling, but I've seen you contribute to SBT. Um, and normally I feel like the the common pattern for people getting started in open source and contributing is that you contribute to stuff that you're super interested in because it's so much easier to do that. How come you're not contributing to things like cats or trying to get involved in that? Like, why have you been contributing to SPT, for example?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I started getting interested in open source even before I was a professional engineer. So mm-hmm. I think that's worth saying because I think open source in general really inspires me. It inspires it inspires me because I feel like <laughs> I, I'm just so impressed by the open source community in general. Like, come on, how, how is this even possible? Like, we have devs, like, all across the world, like giving their time for free and working together. Like, I just think that's awesome. Um, and so that's why I was really into contributing even before I could write a line of code. So that's kind of my background. And then what happened is that the Guardian last year, they started offering 10% time. Okay. So this is where like a dev can spend 10% of their time doing whatever they want. Yeah.
0: Lunatech so, is at where I work as well. Yeah.
1: yeah right. It's, a, it's, it's not unusual. And and I decided for some reason, I have no idea what I was thinking. I also like giving conference talks. That's, again, something I did before I was an engineer. So mm-hmm. before I had my first engineering job. So I thought, OK, I want to write a conference talk about something we use every day, but don't really know too much about. And I thought, OK, SBT would, is, is like a really good candidate for that because... I feel I was just interested to know like is there you know is there more to it I love its simplicity and then I started reading the documentation and I love okay I also really love documentation Okay. and I just honestly like I fell in love with this documentation I don't know if this is an unusual thing but like I'll read documentation and I feel like I get a sense of the The vibe of the project or the culture or the people through reading their Hmm. documentation especially as a new person in the Scala community because I have to say a lot of our projects don't necessarily have the best documentation like we're not we're not as good as other communities about bringing in newcomers and bringing in beginners right so I started reading SBT documentation and I was just like whoa, this is amazing. Like I can actually understand some of this. Like hmm. I'm so happy. And then I think I went onto the GitHub repo and I thought, oh, I just wanna be part of this. Like this really, this really resonates with my, what I believe in, in terms of kind of good documentation and open source. And so I didn't see any like labels like good first issue and stuff, um, or not many. Like, I could see there weren't so many. And so I messaged Eugene on um, Twitter and you kn- I think one of the things that happens with me is that because I'm so new, I often don't realise, um, I don't have many inhibitions. Like, I didn't know that Eugene was like super famous and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know like the famous people and... Um, so I just messaged him and mm-hmm. I just said, "Oh, do you have do you have any good first issues?" And then somehow I I must have asked, "Oh, can you just pair with me cuz like I'm struggling to get started?" Mm-hmm. And then he said, "Yes." And then yeah, that was kind of like the rest is history and I've just been pairing with Eugene ever since.
0: That's great. And I can imagine that I I'm sure for him it's amazing to hear that after all the people that sometimes don't talk so positively about SPT in the SPT Aww. documentation. So yeah, like uh, that's, that's incredible to hear because it is incredibly thorough and it does explain very difficult concepts in a way that's mm-hmm. pretty easy to understand when, when you're mm-hmm. reading through at least most of it. Um, yes. I'm, I'm curious because you use SPT, you're familiar with SPT. Um, talking about build tools and newcomers one of like the new kids on the block is Scala CLI that people have been talking about and specifically for it making it easier to get started have you tried Scala CLI at all or do you have any thoughts on that
1: I haven't tried it myself and I am all for anything that makes it easier for people to get started I guess the challenge for engineers is that we're more likely to, to need to use like SBT or something similar Mm. for our jobs. So for example, like I, I taught, um, a few engineers at the guardian Scala last year who Mm -hmm. were completely new to Scala and, of course I decided to teach them SBT because I want them to learn exactly what they're going to need to use for their day jobs yeah um but somebody was making the point in a conference talk that I listened to recently that scholar CLI is very good for like university students and that that's a particularly good um like target group but I I don't have a reason to use it um right now myself
0: okay yeah that's fair enough yeah I'm very I'm very curious what will become of it or how it will be perceived if it will continue to just be perceived maybe as something that, uh, University students use, or something you do a really quick POC is used for, or if we will see, my hope is that we will see like this emergence of more micro libraries that are like really small things that you only need a single module for because, yeah, I think they're easier to deal with as well. Um, Sorry,
1: what is a POC
0: or POC, like a proof of concept? Like, oh, proof of concept, yeah, like if I just want to do like a small small something and I, mm. yeah, cause you, you did mention it earlier, SBT is actually really easy to do a small project. You also just mm-hmm. need like Scala version name and mm. like library dependencies. So in reality, mm-hmm. it's also quite simple, but then you can get bit later on when you take that simple thing and start to make it bigger, mm. where I think Scala CLI you, can't necessarily make it bigger past that thing. So then the idea then becomes, like you said, well, if I'm not gonna use this for my day job, then how do I go from using this to using SPT? And I think there is plans and I th- it already works. Not, I don't know how well it works, but you can do, I think, like export project to SPT and it will actually take your Scala CLI project and export it into an SPT build definition. So then you can just get, get started from there as well, which I thought was pretty interesting.
1: That sounds really
0: interesting. So the going back a little bit to Guardian, you said you had like a 10% time that you could start working on open source. Did you primarily use that time to work on SBT or was there other things you got involved with as well or other things you spent your time on?
1: Yeah, so as well as SBT, I made a conference called Scala Base, yes. which was for newcomers to Scala. And also I wrote a Scala 3 course, which is on the LinkedIn learning
0: platform. Okay, you just mentioned those two things and then that's it. Like, let's expand (laughs) on those because those are huge. So first of all, that's amazing that you created a conference. And yeah, talk to me a little bit more about your motivation to create ScalaBase because if I understood it correctly, it was also a conference specifically meant for newcomers to Scala. So like, why did you create that? Why did you feel like that was needed? And and, yeah, tell me about it.
1: Yeah, I was just super frustrated and really jealous because I felt like I wanted a conference where I could understand the talks Mm. and with the existing scholar conferences, I would just look down the agenda and just be like, what is this? Like, I don't even have any clue like what this talk is about. And so I just didn't feel like the conferences were targeted at people like me with just like you know a year or two of Scala um, and because I love conferences so much that made me feel sad so mm. I spoke to a friend who is also a kind of uh, same level of experience as me and she also felt frustrated and so we were just like let's create our own
0: yeah.
1: um, and then uh, we got a whole team together including like the amazing Noel Welsh um, some Guardian alumni and uh, we, we worked with 47 Degrees, another amazing company, just like phenomenal team. And yeah, we created the conference. And I was just so impressed by like how many people um, showed up.
0: Yeah. And looking back, do you feel like you achieved sort of what you wanted to with the conference? Or what were maybe some like lessons learned from from the conference?
1: Um, okay, so I learned that there is a huge demand huge in (laughs) in terms of my mind anyway like huge demand for content for new people who are new to Scala I (laughs) I really do think that there's interest um, and I think the number of signups we had and like the number of people who actually turned up live on the day was just so so much bigger than what I expected so I Mm -hmm. think it really proved that point and I think I also learned that you can get new people involved. Like most of the speakers were um, developers who are quite like new in their Scala career. And we just had like a mentorship program. So we asked like a seasoned Scala conference speaker to be paired with a new person. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I found that was a really good way of trying to get newer people to agree to give a talk.
0: Okay. That's a great idea. Is ScalaBase, was that sort of a one-time thing, or is it something that will continue in the future?
1: Uh, Yeah, it will continue. It lives with 47 degrees now and Ah, the Scala Center.
0: Okay, great, great. And then you also mentioned that you created a course. So again, congrats on creating your course. Like that's an also a tremendous amount of work. But yeah, like, can you talk a little bit about the emphasis of creating the course? Was it sort of the same reason? You didn't feel like there was a lot of good intro materials for Scala or like, why did you create a course?
1: Yes, it really was a labor of love because I really struggled when I first started with Scala. I basically learned Scala through my teacher at the Guardian, Adam Fisher. Mm. And um, this was before Daniela Sregola's book um, came out. She's written the most amazing book, which is so, so applicable like for Mm. like beginners. Um, But that was before she, that was published. So I was just at a loss and none of the existing courses I felt uh, met my needs. So I, I just wanted to create something for people like. me and I don't want people coming behind me to struggle like I did so it was just really important for me personally to try and kind of right that wrong in a way so I'm really happy and it's it's really only a small contribution the course is it's just like an hour and 40 minutes it's Scala 3 and it's really basic things so I think it's just to give people a taste of Scala like if they already know a little bit of Python or Ruby they can just start getting to know Scala install everything and hopefully then move on to a, another course um, I hope I can do more things like that in the future and spend a lot more time teaching because I'm really passionate about that
0: okay okay because you also said that you, I believe, taught some people while you were at the Guardian. <laughs> and what would you say are some of the things that you see new people trip up on when they're getting started with Scala?
1: Sure, yeah. So we have Scala School at the Guardian and I taught like a beginner's track, which I was really happy about. And we actually used Daniela Sregler's book. What do I think new people get tripped up on? I don't know. I just... I just think Scala. I wouldn't say Scala is a hard language. I just think that you might need to be a slightly better teacher to to hmm. teach it compared to the to the other languages. And I think how come? I think I think there's a kind of. I think some of the concepts might be a little bit more. Little bit more difficult than like a Python or a Ruby. Okay. I, yeah, I felt like I could teach myself a Ruby and Python quite easily, um, but I feel like the resources for Scala. Most of the resources don't do such a good job of explaining things. I I'm not sure. I I don't. I can't really think of something that's really tripped people up I think I remember teaching four comprehensions and just having to go over it a few times mm-hmm. but I, I don't feel like my students tripped up on anything and I think the main learning for me after the last couple of years of learning Scala and writing Scala is that it's it's not hard and there's no need to be scared like I was scared and I don't think there's any need for that I just think we just need like good resources and yeah like good Hmm. example appropriate examples
0: yeah I think that's also good for people to hear because I feel like so often you do hear people say like Scala is incredibly difficult, <laughs> and it's almost like unintentional gatekeeping in some way. Like you're almost sort are of saying like, well, you have to be like this extremely smart developer to get started with Scala, when that's that's probably you know not true.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> and it kind of fuels this idea that that you're you're kind of fixed, you know, and that our brains aren't able to just grow and adapt. And I, mm. I'm always trying to fight against that idea um, that, that we can't just all do anything that we want to do and learn anything
0: we want. Hmm. When you first got started in Ruby, do you feel like if you would have started with Scala, your experience would have been any different? Or are you glad that you picked Ruby to, to first learn?
1: It's so funny because as soon as you said that I felt my body tense up. I oh. honestly can't <laughs> <laughs> I honestly can't imagine I I can't really imagine my first programming language being Scala. And okay. I'm kind of wondering why like I'm quite happy that I learned Ruby because it is just so straightforward and like I feel like the ethos of Ruby is mm. to to have a beautiful developer experience. Yeah. So that made it a lot easier but I, th- I think I think I might have been a little bit more challenged if I had learned Scala as my first language having said that I just I probably wouldn't have known any difference so maybe it would have been sure. fine
0: it's so interesting so you you said a word that i had written down which i didn't give you ahead of time but i want to talk about it a little bit and you said and so a bit of context so the other night i'm watching twitch and i'm i'm watching a, a a programmer program, uh, which I really enjoy doing. So if you've never done that, it's fun to go watch somebody program and explain what they're doing on Twitch. Um, so anyways, uh, he was talking about uh, developer experience. And he was talking about how in the TypeScript community, everybody's like, DX, DX, DX. And and I was like, DX? Like, uh, like <laughs> I, I feel bad. Like, I, I don't. I've, being in scala like i'm very embedded in the scala ecosystem and i'm like i don't think i've ever heard a single person in scala say dx before or anybody in the community and they're just like yeah sometimes it's annoying everybody's like it's almost like become such a buzzword that nobody shuts up about it and i was like i think that's very unique to specific language ecosystems because i don't think anybody like people obviously care about developer experience in scala but it's not like a thing that has so much focus on it like other languages and you mentioned how like Ruby like the developer experience is meant to be like great like this is a it almost has a reputation of like this is a good language to get started with like you're not going to trip up on like random very difficult to understand tooling for a beginner like the syntax is pretty easy and yeah and I I'm just curious about that like why why don't we why isn't DX like a buzzword for Scala as well like why isn't it as popular and furthermore like something else that then made me think about was like devrel like in other ecosystems too people are like developer relations like we're going to we have all these people writing writing blog posts to get people started with you know whatever product we have or this new language things and that's also something that like i don't think i've ever met somebody in the Scala ecosystem that had like a developer relations job just because it it's just not focused on that and that's a i'm very curious to dig more into that and to understand why that is and to understand is it like a size thing is it just because like the language is so much smaller but at the same time there are like i I don't know like i'm curious what your thoughts are on any of that because i it's a big question mark in my mind right now
1: that's really interesting these are things that we really need in in the scarlet ecosystem right and i'm Mm. hoping that there'll be more people like me like more newcomers who will kind of demand and start creating these things um and start creating this change because it's people like me who need need the change like we need Mm. we need blog posts like we need videos um (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we we need all of that content to learn. So I think it's really important. And I think it's important for, for the future of Scala and the sustainability of it, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I was even thinking, like, related to this was, I, I dare to say unfair, but I was thinking about how, because Scala is such a smaller community, that it's almost hard... Like, I don't know how to phrase this. Like, If you're a content creator, for example, it's really helpful to have feedback from people that you're doing a good job and that your stuff is helpful. Because I can feel really lonely at times creating things and getting like no feedback. Or you, the feedback you get sometimes is just some random person on Twitter being like, well, what about X? Or I don't know. And it's, like, it's just so frustrating. And uh, there are small pockets in Scala, I feel like, that are doing that. But they don't get as much feedback uh, like support as they should and they don't get enough people telling them like hey you're doing a great job um so if you're listening and you know of something in Scala that is something you use or watch or read and you learn from like do not hesitate to just go and tell that person thank you and tell them that they're doing something that is useful because yeah it's like we don't do that it's like we're we're willing to speak up when we think something is wrong or not as good as it could be but when we're like very thankful for something we seemingly like don't show appreciation for it and i feel like that alone can cause like a huge difference of yeah i mean I, now it just popped in my head like the Scala thank you thing like there's a reason why that was so popular right cuz i think cuz in our community we just don't do that very often
1: yeah yeah it's, it's kind of sad to to hear i definitely like hope hope that changes
0: hmm. I think it can change so i don't want to sound like that was a big bummer <laughs> but no it's, it's just reality it's sort of what it is and yeah i think people people should should do that more um one other thing i, I had in mind because you were talking about documentation in the past and uh you were reading through the spt documentation and you really enjoyed it are there other documentation in the Scala ecosystem that you've read and that you've really enjoyed or that you're like "Ooh, wow this is great documentation
1: um yeah like alvin alexander Right. like um i mean that's more kind of uh yeah like a learning resource um i've really enjoyed like heather miller's um Mm. work as well she's one of my role models i absolutely um adore her and the way that she writes um again alongside sbt documentation like eugene writes beautifully as well and has like a long history of like blog posts um yeah I have a I have a few people that I follow um I would say again like yeah Daniela's book is is just amazing and I've just started taking Daniel's um Rock the JVM Cats course which so far I'm really impressed with um it is paid but I think it's it's definitely worth it so that's also been really nice I am kind of missing like a free youtube like prolific kind of scala content creator i i would really like more of that um yeah
0: thinking about like uh, youtube courses or especially because you said you're um you're learning cats i'm curious if you have heard of the uh, i think it's scala project from scratch yeah a scala project from scratch by jacob kozlowski it's a here. Yeah, have you heard of it before or no
1: I'm not sure, but okay. I'm often on YouTube, so okay. I would be surprised if I hadn't seen it already. But please send it over because yeah, yeah, I'll like... send it or
0: link it later. But yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. A, it's a it's a great. I thought I thought the idea was fantastic because I think he's on part eight right now, and it's a a f- series of him just building like an entire application using like Cats Effect basically and showing like with the idea of hey we often like take little snippets of code, especially when we talk about things like Cats, and we. You know, you we use it in like isolation to like do exercises and stuff, but then you sort of lose out on the uh, how do I actually build an entire application with this? Um, and he he goes through like the he the entire thing is recorded, just him setting up the project, setting up Scala Steward, setting up his GitHub repository, setting up linting, setting up just everything, and he's going through from scratch how to build an entire project in that style. And I thought it was a incredible incredible resource. So and that's you because i do think there are because yeah i keep thinking back of what i said a little bit ago and i was like oh i sounded pretty negative there but there are <laughs> uh, there are a bunch of people that are doing like some incredible work and that was what i really wanted to get across of like there are people in the ecosystem that are doing great things like you've also mentioned a ton of people whether it's like heather or elvin or eugene even or just Noel like all these people doing great stuff so it's 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 really great to have that we just need to like boost those people up more and continue to push for more stuff like that so yeah thinking back again about like being a newcomer in Scala do you think uh there are any weak points now that like when you look back two years ago that you can think of like weak points that maybe caused you to have a harder time getting started than it could have like that you didn't really notice at the time, but looking back, you're like, oh, I just wish this would have worked easier. Or looking back, I think X.
1: Yeah, I think I think um, <laughs> your question has actually reminded me of like one of the really good things. So okay. I just want to talk about that, which is Scarlet Bridge. Like Scarlet Bridge ah, is amazing. Okay. And actually that's how I first met Noel Welsh. Mm-hmm. And I made... I made a couple of friends there because I started at Scullabridge before I even joined The Guardian, like once I'd got my job offer and yeah that was my first experience of meeting Scala engineers and uh, that community is so amazing, if you are a Scala engineer like please like join the Slack channel, the Scala Bridge Slack channel and yeah like if you have some time like please like help a newcomer. it's, it's just so awesome like the teachers were amazing and it's so great to be in a community of like other underrepresented groups in tech so mm. it's just like a really safe space and so that was just awesome i don't know what i would have done (laughs) without that community that was super
0: helpful okay yeah for sure i've only ever heard extremely positive things about about scala bridge um do you have any other like concrete ideas to make scala easier for newcomers would you say
1: i mean what like what does a newcomer want you want to be you want to be kind of shown like what to do you want to have an array of resources and uh, the opportunity to choose a resource that kind of matches your learning style Mm -hmm. um you know whether that's like video content or like written or something like that or like the opportunity to pair with someone so i i honestly just think like you know, resources and content without a lot of jargon and that doesn't assume, like, Java knowledge. I mean, that's the really big one, isn't it? Content Mm. that doesn't assume Java knowledge. It's really difficult to come by. And also, like, content that doesn't use, like, examples that are too mathsy, I think. That was another thing that really tripped me up where, like, my confidence with maths is quite low at the moment. So it's just that that is just scary to me so i prefer like simple maths right or or not no like no maths at all um i'm sure that will change but like for now that's how it is at the moment so i i think that's what i'm looking for and like as i start learning cats and cat's effect um yeah it's, it's kind of just the same journey as well like just looking for resources that, that i can frankly understand and that are accessible to me
0: Yeah Yeah, I feel like you said, everything from conference talks sometimes to the blog posts that we read to whatever, they have so much implicit knowledge that they sort of assume that, oh, you've probably been programming for, you know, years, so I don't need to explain this to you. I can just get right to the point of the blog post. And it's like, well, not everybody's been programming for years and understands all of that implicit stuff that you just skipped over.
1: Yeah, I think it's a real challenge, actually, in in engineering in general, but particularly in the scholar world and and FP like functional programming world because I remember when I went to my first ever like FP conference um in 2019 it's before I got my started working in my first job um (laughs) like I remember going to the conference and just just being so like taken aback by the like the like the kind of advanced knowledge of the talks and the the level of the talks and i kind of wonder like as conference speakers and as like content creators um like how how do we differentiate like between between all the different audiences that we have Mm. out there you know how do we cater to all of these um different audiences and i guess i guess that's why some conferences like have tracks um and i guess that's why i created scala base because it is it our own conference that's like just for us um with talks that make sense so I, i do think that's something that we kind of have to like bear in mind and think about and try and cater to everyone as much as possible
0: yeah and even like you i think you mentioned it way earlier about like being a being somebody that is you know being vocal about this is what we need and i think that's also really helpful too because people will create stuff for whatever they assume people want right so like if mm-hmm. they if they assume that like the biggest desire in the ecosystem is these really advanced articles about whatever then they're just going to create those articles or maybe they just like creating those articles and i'm curious if there if there is if it's known that there's a large group of people that are either beginners or haven't been programming for a long time that want content aimed towards them that don't have it yeah,
1: so, yeah. I, I think that's really interesting like I think it is gonna take like people like me who are doing this work out of sheer frustration and like painful experiences because we're super motivated so I, I guess I also want to speak to like other newer people um, that like yeah we can create things that work for us and hopefully for people coming, um, coming behind. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point. Like how do those resources even start getting created, right? Like what is motivating people to, to create beginner resources?
0: Yeah, for sure. So I want to shift a little bit into sort of like focusing on contributing to tooling and getting started contributing. And I think it's amazing that you got started. You'd said contributing before, almost you were programming in some ways, and I feel like a that flies in the face of like the belief of like you can't contribute unless you're pushing code because that's totally not true. Uh, but then also like I feel like so many people are afraid to start contributing to open source or they feel like they have to you know know a whole bunch to get started. So what kind of advice would you give to somebody specifically getting started in 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 Scala tooling? Let's say you want to start contributing in that arena, but you know they don't know how to get started or where to get started like how would you how would you explain that process to them or what type of advice would you give to them
1: yeah i'm smiling i'm smiling because i guess there's just something in my brain that just thinks hey like i'm just going to do this like sure. and <laughs> the funny thing is is that i i honestly don't know what i'm doing like but i'm <laughs> <laughs> but i'm still doing it anyway and i guess I'm doing that because like I'm pairing Mm. and I would say like that is a huge theme of my journey in like software engineering and it's kind of how I learned how to code like through pairing with someone
0: okay
1: um I'm definitely not the type of learner that is just sat by herself like I am not someone who will spend like two hours on a problem like I will like time box and then ask for help pretty quickly probably like too too quickly but like I I really enjoy pairing and I could not contribute to SBT like without Eugene Hmm. like I pair with him every week and the topics are just too too complex like I will open a PR but like I still won't fully understand it Hmm. and I'm very comfortable with that like I'm comfortable living in this space where i don't un- i don't fully understand what i'm doing but i'm still doing it um yeah it's that's actually why i'm doing the work that i do now like i'm working on code bases with libraries that i have never worked with before but i'm yeah. still doing it and i'm learning through doing and i I can't imagine any other way to learn like I just have to get stuck in Um, but it does mean that I need a lot of support and that I am quite slow so like when you look at my SBT contributions like I've been working on it for a year but like with all the investigations and trying to reproduce and also like I don't have that much time like we haven't spoken about that but like that's another aspect right is that like I am not sitting on the weekends like at my computer, I'm like with my family, right? So like, um, yeah, things like 10% time and like employers letting their (laughs) devs like do open source work, like actually has like changed my life, but like that's another topic. Hmm. Um, But yeah, I would say I don't know what I'm doing. And I think I'm getting even more passionate these days about being really honest about Hmm. when I don't understand something and not feeling shame or embarrassment and I just now if I don't understand something I just think okay that means I'm missing some knowledge like I don't make that a kind of judgment on myself or like my character or who I am which I might have done before and like honestly like I have been through a whole rite of passage with Scala like I have spent pairing sessions with like other teachers just like in tears because I'm having to kind of coach myself that it's it's okay not to know like that's okay like <laughs> it just means that you need it explained in a different way you know or there's just like a little piece of information that you don't know yet but like you'll know it soon do you know what I mean like that yeah. kind of like reassuring voice um, so that's been a huge part of my journey but yeah like I would say like it's Eugene like I couldn't do it without him um, and yeah, it's him spending time with me and, and being there with me.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's, it's, it's funny. Cause like uh, when I first started to contribute to open source metals was sort of like the first project that I got involved with. And it's a similar story. It was me sending an email to at the time, Olaf and Olaf responding and jumping on a call with me and explaining stuff to me. And I, and I, I think back about that often. And I think of if I would have um, yeah, just, kept on with it if, if i didn't get that response and it's interesting because i hear a lot of really good experiences when that's the case right like whether it's all of who like spent tons of time explaining stuff to me or you know getting me started or eugene pairing with you but I, I I often think I had a colleague of mine ask me the same question that I just asked you, like, how do I get started? You know, I see you in open source. I don't want to get started. And I just said, I don't, I have a great answer, but like, here's what I did. And this worked really well for me. And he found a project and he did the same thing. And he, the person emailed them back and said, no, I don't have time, sorry. And just, that was it. That was the end of the discussion. Mm. And it, it's hard because I don't necessarily blame the person that responded to him that he didn't have time because granted, like, it's people's free time, right? Like, like, if you don't have time, you don't have time. So like, I don't want to like, but at the same time, not everybody can just like reach out to somebody and have them respond and say, Yeah, I'll pair with you. Like, no problem. Like, like, it's incredible that Eugene is willing to do that and spend time, right? Like, it's it's really great. So yeah, then my next question is, like, how do we? How do we further collaborate on that? Or how do we? How do we get more people that are willing to do that? Or how do we connect people? Uh, that are willing to do that with people that want that for example is it things like do we need more things like scala bridge or more communication channels like yeah i'm 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 trying to think like how how do you connect people that are willing to to do that
1: yeah i think that's really interesting and especially the example that you gave of like your friend um part of me feels like you really do have to try a little bit harder because um even before I became an engineer like I didn't know um I didn't know like any engineers I didn't have a network like honestly if you asked me like what is Ruby I would have said like a jewel like I honestly like (laughs) did not know anything and so like I had to reach out like I used to like message like loads of people on LinkedIn like who had done um boot camps and stuff and I I would message like 30 people like on like I just think that um you can't give up (laughs) like you Mm. can't give up that easily like of course I'm not saying that you should um you know like harass someone that says no no of course not you know if they decline of with with complete you know fairness and and respect that's that's totally fine but I think that there are people out there that have some time and that Are already working on open source and don't mind just like showing someone around given they're already doing that in their free time you know and so I think I've been very lucky um I have been very lucky but then I do reach out a lot uh, and I do try quite hard so I I would make that first point um my second point is yes it is difficult to see like how could you scale this kind of mode of like knowledge transfer um i think it it would be good to like have more like of these kind of sessions like on twitch like which you you kind of already mentioned but i think it Mm. would be good to kind of to share more of like a teacher kind of you know teacher teaching um whilst pairing on open source I think I think that would be really nice and then like lots of people could learn at the same time um and then I think communities like Scala Bridge are good because you've got a you've got a bunch of people who have already raised their hand to say yeah I like teaching right so then you can kind of like um if that's a good way of like finding potential people um yeah, so I, I don't really know how it can scale. I'm I'm kind of hoping that, like, in a few years' time, like, I can also help someone else, you know, and it can kind of yeah. scale in, in that kind of way. Um, I think there are going to be, like, more senior devs out there who maybe don't need as much hand-holding as someone like me and who just need, like, a good first-issue label and a little bit of, like, asynchronous messaging, right, on Slack, yeah. and then they can help themselves. So, like... That's a good bunch of people um, to kind of get started with. And then hopefully they can pair with like the newcomers, the people that need a lot more help. So I guess, I guess getting more people into open source and then just creating cultures where we welcome juniors. Like I've done a talk on this on trying to get more new people into open source. And like one of my big things is like words. Like the words we use like the words that are on the repo like you look at some repos and they're literally like yeah like first time contributors welcome heart emoji heart emoji heart emoji you know like mm-hmm. really really nice like text and stuff and like they use the good first issue label loads and loads and the read me and the installation steps are like super awesome you know yeah. like <laughs> those kinds of things um yeah but I I acknowledge that it's not easy to get started especially for a new person
0: yeah 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 so I have so many other questions related to that but like one that pops in my head right away too is like you've mentioned a couple times too like for yourself not only were you a newcomer getting started but you were also a newer newcomer coming from like a quote-unquote like non-traditional background into tech Mm. Um, and I feel like that's also something that sometimes takes more um, intentional care with because i like whether or not you have a newcomer that's just getting out of school maybe and has a ton of experience with computer science y type things versus you have somebody who's switching careers and is also getting started there are a lot of times at like very different points of their lives sometimes they have tons of experience that goes wasted when they switch careers because they have like great experience doing other things but then they're sort of treated just like a normal junior like i don't know there's lots of there's lots of thoughts there too so like how do you feel like we can do a better job at, at just welcoming people people that come from like a a non-traditional background into tech as well in scala
1: that's a really interesting question question. (laughs) yeah would you tell me more about that because you touched on a few different points of kind of career changers Hmm. who have different skills and then you also talked about kind of the challenges of being a career changer and the challenges that we come to open source with like we all come with varying different levels tell me more about what you're interested in
0: yeah, so I guess um, there's a couple of different things, and and yeah, like you're you're totally right. I, I <laughs> hit on many different things because they're all jambled together. But like one of them that I can specifically think of is sometimes I think we don't view a person holistically when they maybe come to a project as in having more skills and just writing code necessarily. Because, for example, like I've known many people that have maybe come from a different career or even like myself, like I feel like I went through grad school, like I wrote a bunch of stuff, like I, I was really good at like, dare I say like communication and writing and getting and you know communicating my ideas across but I couldn't code that well so um if I wanted to get involved with the project many times we think oh I want to figure out what the good like the first like uh what sorry what the uh what where's like the newcomer label or good first Mm. issue label and it's almost like we're always thinking about doc or like uh programming but it's 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 broader than that right like you said you got started with documentation and I I feel like it's not often sometimes especially in open source and maybe in Scala as well that we've we view it that way we're sort of like what's a good issue for a newcomer to get started with and we automatically implicitly think code like what's an easy coding problem to solve Um, but that's not necessarily the case and even more so somebody who could be coming with a bunch of experience doing other things just they they don't know how to code quite as well. So that, that 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 was part of it.
1: Yeah, that's that's a really interesting topic. Um, it definitely fits with like my vision for what I would like to see for the whole world because I would like the whole world to be on GitHub and as a community, like we're all working together on things that we're passionate about. Hmm. Um, so and yeah, there are there are a bunch of things that need doing, right? Like documentation stuff um, is is one of them. Um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll stop there on that one. Cause yeah, I just really agree with you that yeah. it would be great to kind of welcome people like who are not just coding.
0: Sure. And the other, the answer, like the rest of the part of the question you asked mm-hmm. was another part of it was maybe more of thinking about how, um, you, cause you hit on it, right? Like you, you said you started getting pro you started programming because you had a child that's like a that's a huge life event right and then you're Mm -hmm. also trying to like learn programming on the side and i feel like sometimes our communities are geared towards somebody like the single dude who just has a bunch of time and and will but that's like that's that's not the only target audience right that we want involved so like there there's other people that are coming from very different backgrounds but very different life experiences that just don't don't have that time for whatever reason like they don't they don't have nights and weekends to just spend hours hacking away on something and yeah it was more of just thinking about like how can we also be like inclusive and welcoming to those people that do fit to those categories and still have opportunities for them to be a valued member of like an open source community.
1: I think that's a really good point and I would like to say that working with Eugene who is just amazing in so many different ways like working with him he he doesn't judge me for the fact that like I'm not spitting out code like loads of code every week like he he's just like very very happy for me to like do what I can hmm. and I think that's really important for like maintainers right not to yeah. not to expect that everyone can do hours of work in their free time and for employers like please give us 10% and 20% times please, yeah. <laughs> because they make such a difference
0: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Imagine if we had a world where open source projects didn't rely on the free labor of a bunch of people on their free time. It'd be crazy. But, right. Right. Yes. Um, so a couple other points I wanted to hit on. And one of them is, this is totally anecdotal, but I like think about it often and, I, and I, sometimes I feel like the tooling world is even less diverse than the normal Scala programming world. Why do you think that is? Like, do you have any ideas, like, why that is? Is it just such a niche, small program or group or what? Yeah.
1: I I was really interested that you said that because I am, like, an outsider, right? Like, you are very much embedded in the Scarlet community and very much, like, the tools community. But I am not. Like, I don't know anyone. Like, I just know, like... A few people, mainly like Eugene, right? So I don't see this. So it's really interesting for me that you say that. And one of the things that came to my mind was this issue of time, Hmm. right? I, I have to say like, that has to be a huge barrier. And then all the other challenges we mentioned of like, just getting started and like, having that confidence that you have the expert knowledge to just like contribute right yeah. um so i i definitely think that must have um a part to play i mean do you have any ideas
0: i don't know like to answer your first question with me being embedded in it like i i think first of all it's something that and i forgot who it was i don't i forgot hmm I don't remember who it was on the podcast that I had a long time ago, but they said like the first issue is that we just never even talk about it, first of all. So people don't even think about it, that that maybe a, a certain part of the community is much less representative than the rest of the part of the community. So A, we should just talk about it more and we're afraid to talk about it. So that's good. But the second part is, I don't know, I go back and forth about it because part of it's also a little bit of like guilt. For example, the Scala Meta organization that I'm a part of where I look at the group of people Every time I go to the Scala Meta organization, and I just see a bunch of white guys that are all part of the, like <laughs> admin, and, and, and every time I look at it, it's like glaring in my face of that. But then it's also a difficult issue. Of then how do you change that? If you, it's almost like you. There has to be some sort of momentum and some sort of like very, mm, like in like a intentional effort to change that but it's like you said it's very difficult because if you have projects that are maybe a little bit harder to get started on because they do include they do have some implicit knowledge is sort of expected to have uh, and then you have You know, half the community, maybe that's doing it full time for their job. And then you have also these like weekend warriors that are going crazy and doing it all in their free time. And then the the broadening of that to people that don't necessarily fit those identities is, is difficult because maybe... Yeah, I I don't know. I'm just going to keep, I feel like I'm just going to keep talking in circles because I I don't have a great answer to it. Like, I I don't know. It's so,
1: it's so interesting you say that, Chris, because like when you describe that problem to me, like, I just feel like the solution is so easy. Like, (laughs) it's so cool that you have like people working full time and some people on the weekend because like if I were in your shoes, I would just be like, look. Guys, we have a problem here. Like, we're all white, we're all men. We need to change something. Can we please just give like ninety minutes, or like even just an hour a week? Mm-hmm. And like, we're gonna go to Scala bridge and we're gonna write a message and say like, "Look, we have this like m- kind of mentorship opportunity." Like, you could even just say like, "Look, it's just for twelve weeks. Like, just try it out. Like,
0: just yeah, yeah.
1: everyone commit like ninety minutes a week for twelve weeks and like put it on the Scala Bridge and Twitter and like." I, my hypothesis is, like, that, like, more people would kind of, like, show interest than you would even have, like, spaces of, like... Yeah, and then that would be, like, so... That would be, to me, that would be, like, such an easy way to get, like, more underrepresented people involved. I mean, how does that sit with you when I say it?
0: Yeah, it sits with me totally fine. I feel like things like Scala Bridge aren't talked about enough because I, I... Dare I say that there's a lot of people that are probably in Scala that would potentially be great people to mentor somebody don't even know what Scala Bridge is.
1: Mm, Yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's, it would be good to raise more awareness about Scala Bridge and the opportunity to teach. Like, Noel Welsh does such an amazing job of running, like, the London one, and I'm sure the other ones are just as amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, like, I'm happy that we're talking about it on the podcast.
0: Because what, what pops into my head is I like, <laughs> to be honest, now I want to reach out to Noah and, and talk to him maybe about this. But I'm curious of, like you said, like we have this idea of mentorship where people like to teach and they want to give their time, um, teaching, but I know there's also some people, even like myself, that if I'm going to, like, I want to work on stuff, like I really enjoy working on tooling. So if I'm going to spend some time doing something, I want to spend time, you know, working on tooling, but I have no issue mentoring somebody while I'm doing that and having them you know, pair along with me or code along with me. And maybe that's just a great untapped resource that we haven't really thought about in the ecosystem is we have a lot of these open source projects that have tons of people that are giving tons of time maintaining them. Are they willing to just have somebody tag along with them and explain it to them and spend time mentoring them? And maybe they don't produce as much or maybe they don't you know, actually like hard code as much, but by doing so they're expanding the people that are willing to contribute to their projects. They're hopefully expanding those that are underrepresented in the community and in their projects. And like, it's just growth all around in a better way. Yeah, Yeah. I
1: mean, I, yeah, I mean, I think that sounds like a great proposal for something really special, Chris, right? Because I mean, that's how I got started in programming. There was an amazing, amazing engineer who was already contributing to open source. And he said, yeah, let's pair on, issues together mm. like I'm already doing this I'm already spending the time on it and I love teaching so it's just like a win-win and and um yeah his um I'm just gonna say his name because I want him to be represented but like um the engineer that helped me was Chase Southard and like he like changed my life right mm. like and and like he knows that and like he's had a huge impact um on me and like I've gone on to like help loads of other people. Like at the Guardian, I started like a mentorship um, program for like black women engineers. And so like he helped me. And then like, we had like, I don't know, like 50 women or something that were like mentored by like engineers. Like, so like (laughs) he literally like, just like enabled all of this goodness. And I'm just like, that's so amazing. But like, Chris, it would be so easy for us to like set up some kind of thing where we're just like, hey, you know, can we get like, 10 open source maintainers to commit to like an hour a week for 12 weeks and then just put it on Twitter and like that's that's it like it's done like
0: yeah so um so well, yeah i just think I'll, it's I'll put that to do item on my notebook here to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah no absolutely I, I 100% agree with that that's a, uh, that's fantastic huh i feel like we've talked all over the place about all types of stuff. I'm looking at my list to see if I have other things. Oh, yeah, I do have one more question for you because I don't want to forget to ask you this because you mentioned it way early on, and this is going to seem like a total topic shift, but I wanted to ask it before we end. You mentioned that you are an IntelliJ user, but you... are interested in Vim. What mm. makes you interested in Vim? Why is it? Is there like a oh. certain allure or like what what, you know, what made you say that? The Because you almost talked about it like it was this unattainable goal. Like, why did you oh, talk about it that way?
1: That's a good question. Okay, so basically, like one of the things I did was Code First Girls. It's like a, U- I think it's like a UK initiative where like okay. in the evening you can go do like, um, you know, learn basic stuff like HTML, CSS and Git and stuff. And so I think maybe i think i'd gone into like git commit and my you know like vim had opened up and i was just like whoa like where am i like i'm suddenly in vim like and the the lady who was one of the ladies who was teaching like was behind me she was like oh like you're in vim right now and i was just like what this is so awesome like i felt like you know by the way i was like a mom just like you know, like, at home for months, like, so, like, mm-hmm. you know, coding was, like, for me, like, a you know, my, my travel, like, it was just, like, a way to enjoy life, so I was just, like, whoa, I'm in Vim, like, I feel like I'm in a different world, I was just so excited, it was, like, stepping onto a different planet, and I, I know I talk about it in, like, a crazy happy way, but I think that's just how Vim makes me feel, and how, how even the terminal makes me feel, like, I just love, like, all the different programs and all the different power but then this interface is just so simple and just so void of anything like it just captures my imagination I think mm-hmm. um and so I think that's why I love Vim. It, Vim it's like it's simplicity but like it's powerfulness and I just love the engineers like I, there was one engineer I worked with like you know like he just like lived in Vim like did everything in his terminal I'm just like I want Be that dude. Like, I just think that's so cool. You know, so it's just one of those things for me.
0: You can do it. We have a Vim (laughs) shout out our Scala Meta Vim Users channel, and you can stop by anytime and ask all sorts of Vim-related Scala questions because there is a bunch of friendly people there.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much. So awesome.
0: Well, I want to thank you so much for graciously giving your time. We've talked for quite a while. And yeah, I really appreciate your insights, all the work that you've done, and just your voice and saying, hey, you know, newcomers need good stuff to get started. They need people that are willing to help. They need resources that are aimed at them, conferences aimed at them, courses aimed at them, all of that. Like, I think that is just incredibly valuable. And I know it's no small effort as well to put your time into all of that. So, first of all, just thank you for everything that you do. For- the community the community is a better place for it and yeah just thank you for taking the time and and speaking with me today if there's if there's anything else you want to shout out or talk about feel free to 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 do it but that's all the questions i have for you today
1: thank you so much chris like i receive everything you've said and i just like i feel so much joy and pleasure just like hearing you kind of just like acknowledge the work because sometimes it is like sometimes it is challenging you know to like Mm -hmm. do it and like feel okay like managing like the household and like my son and you know just like stuff like that so like it means a lot to me you saying thank you and i think i would just like to say a huge thank you like to you for creating this podcast like i just love it it's so amazing that's great and yeah and i just want to say a big thank you to um like Eugene Um, who like you've already like interviewed like um, yeah Yeah. I'm so grateful to him um, for like spending so much time with me and I really wouldn't be able to do um, all of this work without him